Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back. Final segment of Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today, and we're broadcasting live from Utah Valley Growth and Prosperity Summit. It's been hosted by the Utah Valley Chamber of Commerce and Utah Valley University. And uh, it really has been a, a fascinating day here. A lot of really interesting conversations uh, happening and happening both from panel discussions, hallway conversations. And to me, it really showcases a lot of the things that do make Utah a pretty extraordinary place. And it is this idea of coming together and bringing all the diversity of business, of academia, of government to start working on the real problems and how do we solve those and it's such an interesting backdrop today where we are talking about things like infrastructure uh, at a national level, social safety net programs at a national level, and, and the massive dysfunction that we've seen uh, in our nation's capital around all of those issues. And it's so easy uh, for those in Washington to just say, you know, it's it's all or nothing, or we have to do this. We've we've seen, of course, the, the president this morning uh delayed his uh, takeoff to go to Europe for the economic summit in Rome so that he could go to the capital and speak to members of his own political party and say, this is a priority. We need to get these things done. Uh, We need, as it relates to the infrastructure bill, we need to get it passed so that you can start getting steel and concrete into grounds and roads and bridges and dealing with things like uh, broadband and all of those things from the infrastructure standpoint. Uh, and yet, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, the president left the Capitol, went back to the White House. Uh, a couple hours later, he, he spoke to the nation, uh, really delivered a, a speech that was a, kind of a cobbled-together speech from a lot of his previous speeches around infrastructure and around this reconciliation bill. Uh, he's now uh, put out a framework. So we've gone from specific legislation back to a framework uh, for a deal. And the uh, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, said they would put the infrastructure bill on the floor of the House today for a vote. And that has been delayed and delayed, uh, not because of Republicans in Congress, but because of Democrats in the House of Representatives. Uh, The progressive wing of the Democratic Party has said not so fast. Uh, We don't feel like our issues are being heard or met. And they are have said that they will not vote for that. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, knows one thing's really well. She knows how to count. <clears throat> she knows what the magic number is. It's 218. 
And right now she does not have 218 votes to pass the infrastructure bill. So I suspect she'll hold on to that as long as she can. Um, and it's just going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, but all of those things, these are all conversations we do need to have. And I go back to this idea that the problem the problem is that we're getting these deals uh, behind closed doors with a very small number of people. Uh, this should be done in front of the American people. Yes, it is the sausage making, uh, but it's time for every member of Congress and every member of the Senate from both political parties to assert their rights. There's been a lot of focus on Joe Manchin and Senator Cinema from Arizona. Uh, but guess what? Every senator can do that same thing. But the problem is, is they keep being told, no, you need to do what leadership tells you to do. Leadership's going to take care of it. And they'll negotiate the deal, and then they'll present it. But when they do that, they present it as an all-or-nothing proposition. This is the best we could do. You either got to accept all of this or none of this. And that's why we always end up with these cliffs and crisis and catastrophes and all of those kinds of things. And it's one of the things that uh, that I've noted today down, down here at the Growth and Prosperity Summit uh, here for Utah Valley is that it's a different kind of conversation. Uh, and I love what uh, our last guest, Janae Mosh, uh, from the Utah Valley Chamber of Commerce uh, Board of Directors, uh, she said, you know, we should make sure we're not limiting it by the number of people at the table. I actually love that. That's that's a great learning for me today from Janae that let's not talk about it as everyone needs a seat at the table because that that makes us believe that there's a limited number of seats at the table. So only certain people get to come to the table and have their voice heard. And so I I actually believe what we've got to do is get it to the public square. Uh, and I think by putting it on the floor of the House in the Senate, uh, that actually does get it into the public square. But we have to engage and lean in on that. And I think as you look at what has taken place down here at Utah Valley University today, uh, talking about this growth and prosperity compact, which is really about uh, government and business and higher education coming together around a set of issues to say, hey, we're going to lean in on this. We're going to listen in on this and come up with solutions that really will create that path for sustainable growth and sustainable prosperity. So the important parts of the the compact uh, boil down to to these. Uh, The business environment talks about uh, prioritizing, promoting policies that benefit employers, employees, and families. Uh, How do you best encourage innovation and adaptation by improving or eliminating regulations that might hinder business growth? Uh, talks about education and workforce development. And to me, this is one of the most critical components to all of this, is that you, we've got to start adjusting and adapting that K-12 through curriculum on a regular basis to make sure, are we really preparing our children uh, for higher or technical education to meet the needs of the workforce out there? And And really comes back to what we often talk about on this program, and that is lifelong learning. It's one thing to learn the discipline of learning. That's an important part of K-12 through and higher education. But I still believe the most important thing we need to be teaching is the love of learning and being a lifelong learner. Uh, the compact goes on to talk about health care, uh, making sure that uh, physical, mental wellness uh, are important parts of every conversation, natural resources, and, and how do we 
make sure we protect public lands and waterways and uh, the environment, all of those things that are important that we work on renewable energy in conjunction with uh, kind of the continued sensible support for fossil fuels, affordable housing, uh, transportation and infrastructure, all of those things are, are part of the equation. And I think to me the exciting thing is that when you get this kind of group together, it really does spawn some some great ideas, uh, some of which will be dependent on government cooperation. Some will be driven solely by business and entrepreneurs. Uh, we were talking with Janae just before we went to the break, and while we always uh, talk about those founding fathers as being these you know great, wise, noble souls that they were, at their at their core, at their very core, they were entrepreneurs and small business owners. They were just a little bit tired of being overtaxed, overregulated, and having a government that was way too, too intrusive in their lives. And to me, this is something that applies not just here to Utah Valley, not just to the state of Utah, not just to the country. But when we talk about freedom around the world, entrepreneurs and small business owners fuel freedom everywhere. And I think it's been a mistake in our nation's foreign policy that far too often our solution to a, a problem internationally is to throw money at it and we prop up these little democracies with a lot of money but what we don't do is help them have systems and government that support entrepreneurs and small business owners because ultimately that's what drives freedom is when someone knows that they have an opportunity to pursue their dream to improve their life to bless their family to make a difference in their community uh, that's how freedom endures and it really is the future, not just of our economy, uh, but really everything relies on the imagination of entrepreneurs and people who are willing to go big. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us today on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. And as always, as you go out into the world, see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something today that'll make a difference. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.